today, I just want to remind you that next Saturday is the official opening of this Mind the Gap exhibition. I know some people came yesterday because it opened yesterday, but the official opening is next Saturday, 4.30. So if you can be there, it'd be fantastic to support this. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a really good exhibition. Tim Reed and uh, Lindy Yates and uh, Nandy and another guy who's a... Um, uh, East Timorese artist, during this week he's painted the whole end wall uh, of the gallery. He's magnificent. So it's really worth a look. And uh, there's a, a message in that exhibition as well. We all like... Uh, next slide, thanks, Tim. We all like uh, our internet, don't we? And we like speed. When it comes to internet, we're really excited about speed. My son has just bought a new house in um, Nanawading, and I was helping him one day do a bit of painting... And it was just the, the very day that the internet was getting connected and he, he'd chosen to go with Telstra and uh, he was getting, you know, a big pond cable and it was going to be fast and he was pretty excited. Anyway, I've always been, he's always been pretty happy when he comes to my house. This was my house last night. It's not always this good, but 35.6 megabits per second. That's not bad. It's better than 80% of Australians, it says on there. Um, but sometimes it's very slow. Sometimes I only get about three. But last night must have been good. Anyway, he comes to my place and he thinks my speed's pretty good when I, when I download. You notice upload speeds are always pretty pathetic, but download is good. This always confuses me because I reckon in this day of the cloud, we, want to sh- we should be wanting to get stuff up there quick, but it doesn't seem to happen. It, we get it down quick, but we don't get it up quick. Anyway, he gets this uh, guy from Telstra, and as soon as the guy's gone, he gets his phone out and does the speed test. And believe it or not, it came out at 108 and it's, it's not even the NBN. He was so excited. And uh, I was excited for him too. I thought, oh, that may not last. But every time I've been there since, I do a little speed test and it's still over 100. And <laughs> he's living in dream world. <laughs> but we love being connected, don't we? Um, we love our smartphones. Uh, we love them that much. And in, in many ways, they're a really good picture of what it could be like to be connected uh, to God in an un- uninterrupted way, where life with God is like a, a conversation between friends. But I think we love our smartphones too much and uh, that little video clip uh, demonstrated and that's why a guy like that guy on the clip, Gary Turk, I think his name is, um, makes a video, reads a poem and it somehow resonates with it because 57 million people have viewed that in the last couple of years. Um, So our phones can be just another distraction and they can be positively detrimental to building uh, deeper relationships and even more importantly, of hearing uh, God's voice in our lives. Interestingly, as I said before, most of us who use the internet do more downloading than uploading. Um, Most of our service providers give us a much better download speed than upload speed, and we generally think that's okay because we like to get stuff down fast, don't we? But if you look at this slide, we've talked about uh, downloading, and in the context of this series, we're thinking of downloading as as listening and uh, of asking for things as logging on and then of, of venting, and Ali's going to talk about that, as uh, uploading to God what's on our hearts. And if you read the Psalms, there's a fair bit of venting goes on in the Psalms. And then uh, lastly, we're going to talk about staying online, remaining or persisting in prayer. But for followers of Jesus, I think when it comes to prayer, it seems like we're often the opposite to the way our internet works. Uh, we're really good at logging on and, and uploading, uh, asking God for stuff, um, but we're not so good at downloading, downloading. We're not so focused on the download side. What does God want to say to me? And am I actually tuned in to what he wants to say to me? I don't know about you, but I'm not good 
at uh, asking. I, I am good at asking. I'm really good at asking in prayer. I come to God in prayer and I've got all sorts of things on my agenda uh, that I want him to uh, come good on. Um, they're the things that I think are, are important and I hope God thinks they're important too. Um, but most of us, when it comes to listening, we're nowhere near as good at listening, even in our everyday lives. If you do a marriage course, and some of you here have done the marriage course with us, um, you will have noticed there's a listening exercise in that. And for many people, it's the most confronting thing because they thought they were a good listener and they do this little exercise and they realise they're a really hopeless listener. And uh, most of us could do some exercises in listening to our partners if we're married. Um, but I think for many of us, we're even less practised at listening to God and, and seeking to discern what God's agenda is. With any relationship, uh, whatever sort of relationship it is, communication is going to be a vital thing uh, for a healthy relationship. And if there's this massive mismatch between, and you see this in couples, don't you, between the amount of, of talking we do in comparison to the amount of listening, uh, we're usually headed for trouble. And so this morning as we begin this series on prayer, I want to focus on listening to and hearing from God um, and what it might look like to be tuned in to his voice as we go through our day. So thank you, Sam, for reading to us about Samuel, because uh, the Samuel story is a, uh, a classic one in the Bible. Samuel is one who eventually says, after a little bit of rigmarole, he says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Interesting the way this story starts. It says, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare. If you put this story in its context, it comes really immediately after the period of the of the judges. If you read in in your in a in a Bible in the Old Testament, there's a book called Judges, and I reckon it's the most disturbing book in the Bible in, in many many ways. As it goes through, you just see the nation of Israel going from bad to worse, and it starts off that um, they're they're in a bad way, and so they 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 they're you know, oppressed by an enemy. They cry out to God. God save us. God delivers them through raising up a judge. And that judge uh, defeats the enemy and peace comes for a while and then they get slack again and they, they, then an enemy comes and takes them over and they cry out to God again. And this happens time and time and time again. And as you go through the book, it just gets worse and worse. And by the end of the book, uh, some of the most disturbing things you'll read in the Bible are happening. Uh, and even the nation itself, people within the nation are starting to turn on themselves. So the enemies from within... Uh, as well as from without. And so that's the sort of days we're living in. And then there's this guy, Eli. Eli's the priest in the temple and he's really old and he's nearly blind. But Eli's family had a history. And sadly, Eli had two sons who were totally out of control. And Eli did nothing to uh, rein them in. And he's to be held accountable for that. Um, but he knew what was going on. And they were, uh, they, was, they were priests as well. But they were totally disregarding anything that was uh, sacred in the temple. And so one night, Eli, who's almost blind, had gone to bed, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. Apparently they had this lamp in the, in the tabernacle, that I think it's one of those seven uh, candle lamps, that they lit up when it got dark, and it was meant to burn through till the morning. And so this lamp was on, and it's still burning. So when it says it's still burning, it might have been the early hours of the morning, um, because it hasn't gone out because it's meant to burn right through the night. And Samuel's sleeping in the tabernacle near the Ark of God. That was the special place where God met with his people. So he would be outside of the, of the inner part where the Ark of God is, but he's close to it. And he's right at that place where people uh, came to meet with God. They actually believed that God dwelt right there on the Ark of God. And so it was a very, very special place that he was in. How, how had Samuel got there? He was, a little, he was a young boy. He wasn't the son of Eli. So that's a long story. But actually his mother... 
her name was Hannah. She'd prayed for a child, and she was one of these ones. She was a, a wife of a guy called Elkanah, but he had two wives. And the other wife had kids. Hannah had none. And she felt despised, and she was tormented by this other lady, uh, Penina, I think her name was. And so Hannah is in this desperate place, and she goes to the temple, and Eli's there at the temple, and she cries out to God. And Eli, probably because he's blind and a bit disoriented, he thinks she's drunk, and eventually comes to realise that she's uh, in trouble. And she's desperate for a child. Anyway, as things turn out, she eventually does have this child, but she actually makes a promise to God. God, if I have a child, I'll, I'll give him to you. I'll dedicate him to you to serve you in the temple. And that's what happens. So this child Samuel is born, and after the child is weaned, she takes him to Eli, and he's brought up in the temple. Now, Samuel seems to be just so different uh, in every way to Eli's sons as we read through the story. Well, this little story that Sam read to us is interesting. The Lord calls out to Samuel, and Samuel doesn't know it's the Lord. He just hears a voice, and he thinks it's Eli calling him in the night. And it happens a number of times, and Eli just says to him, hey, go back to bed. Uh, it wasn't me. And it's only till the, on the third time, thinks, think, uh, the, fourth, the third time, but Eli realised it was the Lord who was calling the boy. And so he has the, the discernment at that point to say to, to Samuel, look, when you hear it next time, answer like this, answer, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel goes back to bed, and sure enough, the voice comes again, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel says, speak, your servant is listening. And, you know, there begins uh, an amazing story because uh, Samuel had an, uh, quite a, an outstanding career as a servant of God. And he was a, a man of whom it could, tr- could truly be said that he had a conversational relationship with God. Now, the thing that um, God had to tell Samuel in this very, very first message he received from God directly is a really, really hard thing. In the chapter before this, a man of God had prophesied to Eli that his, his family would come to a nasty end, that both of his sons uh, would be judged for the way that they'd been uh, living and this same message comes from God to Samuel and Samuel wakes up in the morning having heard this message and thinking am I going to tell Eli or not because this is pretty disturbing it's all about his family uh, but Eli says to him hey if God's spoken to you I need to hear it and uh, he tells him and you know that was the start of something remarkable in uh, in Samuel's life if you look at the next slide it's the end of the chapter it says the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, from top to bottom, recognised that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. So it's as if God's words come to Samuel, and then Samuel becomes God to the people as he speaks God's words um, to the people of Israel. Well, I just want to say a couple of things. This is a unique story, and we look at that and we think, oh, I wish God would speak to me like he spoke to Samuel. It'd be so good if, if I just heard this voice, Steve, Steve. And I said, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And God delivered a message to me. And I don't know about you, but that's never happened to me like that in my life. Um, that's not in any way to downplay what God could or might do in any of our lives, but that hasn't been the way God typically has spoken to me. So I want to just give you a few little guidelines that I think are really important. I've called them hearing aids, and uh, I think without these things it's going to be really hard to hear. I've got an auntie who's got uh, hearing aids, and even with them she finds it hard to hear. Um, 
But I think these things are really important. You know, followers of Jesus believe that the closer they get to him, the closer they come to understand his ways, and the closer they try to align their lives with him, not in their own strength, but because he comes and strengthens them by his spirit, his very presence in their lives, um, that they're going to be in a much, much, much better position to hear what God says. So I've put there a growing relationship with Jesus where I want what he wants above what I want. If, if, if I'm in that place where I've, I've committed myself to him and I've decided that actually his priorities are actually more important than mine, that makes an incredible difference to our being able to hear what God might want to say. And then I touched on this already, confidence that God, who's spoken in so many ways over the centuries, will speak. God hasn't changed. The God who we read of in all these remarkable stories in the Bible hasn't changed. You know, there's stories in the Bible where God speaks through some supernatural phenomenon and then there's a voice. Or there's places where he sends a messenger and uh, that messenger speaks God's word, like an angel speaks God's word directly to a person and they know it's the voice of God and they sometimes can't recognise whether it's an angel or God speaking to them. There's times when God appears in dreams and visions and that might be the way God chooses to speak to you. It's not how he speaks to me, but it might be for some of us. Then God speaks to some people in an audible voice like he did with Samuel that Sam read out for us. Um, and then God in the Old Testament particularly spoke through prophets and there was a prophet whose name was Jeremiah and he basically said, you know, I actually can't stop speaking because it just, it's just who I am. What, what God is saying through me just keeps coming out of me. Um, so even if I tried to stop, I couldn't. Um, so God speaks in that sort of way through human voices. And then I want to, what I want to focus on today and probably what most of us uh, have experienced or could experience in some way is that God speaks to us through our human spirit or through uh, an inner voice within us, through what we might refer to as a still small voice um, that actually is happening in our head, that's going on in our thoughts. So that's the second point. God can speak. He can speak in whatever way he chooses because he's God. And uh, thirdly, there's this idea of humility. I think we need a clear perspective on who God is uh, and who we are. I've got a little short video clip, and I think we will play it today. Um, and just listen to this, and there's just the last little bit. This is from the film Gandhi, and what happens is that um, Gandhi's in South Africa, and a, a, a minister, a pastor with a collar on, uh, white-skinned, has come to help him, and they're walking in a place where white and black shouldn't have been seen together. And so these young uh, louts come to give him a bit of a hard time and uh, call them names, and uh, that's, that's just nothing true. Good morning. Get off the pavement, you poon. Yeah. Get off. Kaffa. <laughs> Alan! Alan! What's he doing? Nothing. Come out where I can see you. Yeah. I said, what you doing? We were just trying to clean up the neighbourhood a little. You're late for work already. I thought you'd gone ten minutes ago. Get on! You'll find there's room for us all. That was lucky. I thought you were a man of God. Well, I am, but I'm not so egotistical as to think he plans his day around my dilemmas. <laughs> okay. So Gandhi picks him up and says, uh, I thought you were a man of God, because he says, oh, that was lucky. And uh, the guy comes back and says, I'm not so egotistical as to think God plans his day around my dilemmas. Now, I believe he's wrong there. 
Because I think God is so big that God does and can plan his day around your dilemmas and my dilemmas. But that's not, that's not to make us feel proud or, or, or lifted up. And, you know, if God chooses to reveal himself to you or to me in whatever way, uh, that's not to be a source of, of pride for us. Um, I think it's good to remember that God as the messenger and God's message is an infallible message. Um, but as receivers of that message, we're not infallible. And so as we hear from God, we need to recognise that, that um, what we hear doesn't guarantee that we hear right. Um, and so I need to have uh, an incredible sense of humility in the way I use what I believe that I've heard from God. So I think there's some really helpful little things to, to think about before we think about hearing. Now, I just want to talk to you really briefly about the inner voice um, and then I want to give you a little demonstration of something that I, I've done here once before about six years ago, I think, and uh, people said to me that it was helpful, so I, I thought I might try it just once more, um, of how it actually looks in my life. In Proverbs uh, 20 and 27, it says, The human spirit is the lamp of the Lord, or in the King James Version, it says it's the candle of the Lord um, that sheds light on one's in, inmost being. So there's something inside us, our human spirit, that is like a candle that God uses to shed light on what's going on uh, inside us. Now, when we come to the New Testament, um, Paul writes this. He says, For who knows a, por- a person's thoughts except, except their own spirit within them? So within each of us, we're the only one who really knows what's going on inside our inner thoughts, aren't we? And yet the remarkable thing is that also no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. But we, if we've chosen to follow Jesus actually have the spirit of God within us and so what we've received is not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God so that we can understand what God has freely given us and I think this is a remarkable thing uh, when we come to think what God has done for us he's given us his spirit and he gives us our own spirit and God's spirit somehow working with our spirit when our spirit is tuned to his uh, can produce in us uh, and in a sense that God has spoken to us in a, in a unique way that's specially for us. Just let me, uh, uh, this is a, a, a guy I like reading, his name's Dallas Willard, he says this about this idea, God uses our self-knowledge or our self-awareness, heightened and given a special quality by his presence and direction, to search us out and reveal to us the truth about ourselves and our world. And we're able to use his knowledge of himself made available to us through Christ and through the Bible to understand in some measure his thoughts and his intentions towards us and to help us see his workings in our world. That was a long thing, but I hope you get a little bit of the gist of that. God uses our own self-awareness and he actually inputs his own uh, awareness through his spirit to us so we can use his knowledge of himself that is revealed to us through Jesus to help us to understand what he wants Uh, to do and say through us. So how can we grow in that sort of awareness of God speaking? First of all, I think we've got to want it. Um, If we don't want God to speak to us, I don't think we're going to experience God's voice in our lives. And the the other thing I think is that it's really helpful to establish some healthy habits. And one of these that um, has probably been part of my little routine for... um, five or six years and as as, uh, Carolyn said I'd have to say it doesn't happen every day I'd love it to but it happens uh, a number of times a week usually 
Um, there's times when I have a lapse from it and I, I realise I need to get back to it. Um, but it's called the, the, the examine or the prayer of examine. And it's like uh, the word actually means examination. And it's a popular way of praying. It was developed by uh, St Ignatius way back in the uh, 1500s. He was actually the founder of the Jesuits. And he suggested that his brothers undertake this daily way of praying by examining their lives so that they could serve God better. And he thought it was so important that he wanted them to do it twice a day. And uh, at times when they got really busy in their little order, this was the only thing that didn't um, get omitted. He thought it was that important. And he stated that the, the key was to find God in everything and to learn to cooperate with God's desire for your life rather than your own. Now, pretty good uh, ambition that he had. And so it's an, exe- it's an exercise that helps us to discern uh, the voice of God in the everyday activity of our lives. It's God within the flow of my normal day. It's not at all complicated. It probably takes about 15 minutes. It could be longer. It could be shorter. Um, I've got a card, and I'll just bring this table up here so I can demonstrate this to you a little bit. Um, I'll sit down as if I was doing it um, in my own little coffee shop. I, I, I find this works better for me over coffee. Most things do, you know. I'll try not to slip off the edge here so you can still see the screen. But I just want to talk you through the steps. There's a little card that um, is on the tables at the side, and I'd like you to be able to pick one up at the end if you find this, this useful. Um, but I've also got a little book over here. And I have a journal that I usually take with me and a Bible and none of these other things. And um, the first step in this is to be still in God's presence and then to be thankful and then to review your day and ask for God's help as you review your day and then to ask two questions. You see, uh, I think the questions are the hard thing because it helps me to, to actually uh, notice God and evaluate my experiences over the days that have just been. And I find the evening uh, is hard. I think it would be best because reviewing your day in the evening is better than doing it in the morning, but I do it in the morning, um, usually over a cup of coffee, as I say. As we ask these uh, questions of ourselves, we're actually reviewing our felt experiences, what we've experienced over the past 24 hours. And these thoughts that we have, they're not the voice of God, um, but we're, if we're going to listen for the God who created us and the God who sustains us, then we need to pay attention to our felt experiences because they reflect something of how we're responding to God. And so as I grow in this practice, I become more and more aware of the times when I feel God close, when I'm responding to him. I also become more and more aware of the times when I feel I've pushed God away, when I'm not responding to him the way, I, the way he would want me to. Now, for those of us who tend to be um, a little bit more melancholic, which is probably me, we, t- we need this something like the examine to recognise the, the life-giving moments that God brings to us in our everyday. Um, for those of you who are you know, natural optimists, you probably need the examine to actually uh, open your eyes to the fact that there are some difficulties in your life and uh, to be real about them. Um, so let me just give you an idea. First of all, I would probably get out... Sometimes I get a bit of music, um, so I'd put the earplugs in, and uh, I'd be, try to be still in God's presence because I want to be in a place where God can uh, hear me. So just thanks. I'll put these in. Thanks, Tim. And I'll listen to something maybe.
Then I'd um, try to look at the day that's passed with gratitude. I'd be lastly asking to God to reveal to me things that I should be grateful for. Um, and I've got lots of things I'm grateful for. I've, I feel that God's been very good to me and I've, I've probably lived an unremarkable life, but a, a blessed life. I've got a great family. Uh, I've got a lot of good things happening. Um, I still have a tendency to see the glass half empty sometimes. And um, and yet, I've realised lately that I'm probably more emotional than I ever used to be. Uh, little things will make me teary. I went to a movie the other Sunday, and I was embarrassed when I came out because I thought my eyes were so red, and I cried a lot. And uh, it was a bit surprising to me that I would cry so much. And I thought maybe I'm just a bit tired or under pressure or something, but this was unusual. But it made me realise that um, there's a lot of beautiful things in my world that I need to treasure and um, maybe I need to amidst some of the busyness realise that um, I need to slow down and be thankful for those things so life is good thank you Lord and then I go on to the next bit and I review my day and um, this is quite challenging sometimes but um, just lately I guess in the context of that things I'm grateful for. I, I have been conscious that I probably am um, a bit busy and probably a bit more fragile than, than I usually would be and a bit more reactive than I'd like to be. And uh, I need to work on that. I need to think about that. Um, that's been something that's um, become obvious to me. It's as if I, I, um, I've got these little fears that I, I wake up with that are really so small, um, but they... They seem to stop me from from being at, at peace. And, um, yeah, I just need to think about that. Yeah, okay. Okay, two questions. And I usually ask them a different way each time. I like the idea of the ones where, you know, when, when did God feel close? When, when was I pushing him away? Uh, but I also like the one, uh, what am I most grateful for? What am I least grateful for? And, you know, I... I Often when God speaks to me, it's because um, I've been reading the Bible and something that he's said there becomes really obvious and helpful. Um, and someone gave me a book th- at the start of the year on the Psalms and it's going through the Psalms one by one slowly and, and some of them at the early parts are really, really dark. Um, but you can identify with some of the things the Psalm writer says and this week on uh, the 30th of March, which I think was Wednesday, 
I read Psalm 42 and it said, it said this, it says, um, My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan. Deep calls to deep in the roars of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. I think, man, this guy's in a bad way. I'm not quite that bad yet. But um, then he comes back and he says, By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? I don't think I'm there, but I can understand how people can feel that God has forgotten them. But then he, he says, my bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? But then he starts to talk to himself and he says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. And it made me think about, about me, really, that uh, you know, there's times when I get discouraged when I... I uh, you know, have all fears about things that I should have done or shouldn't have done and the implications of what I did and have I said the right thing? Um, maybe I'm at fault. And this psalmist, you see, you see him at the end, he's sort of actually, he's actually it's like his self-talk. He's talking to himself, to his own soul, and he's saying, God is at work within all my troubles. And I'm going to put my hope in him. And that's a great reminder to me. I remember reading somewhere, and I remembered it, that uh, the ultimate freedom we have as human beings is the power to select what we'll allow our minds to dwell on. And it's been a really good reminder to me that actually my hope is in God. And whatever's happening around me, God is bigger than that. And um, most things that are happening that are hard, they pass. Um, God is bigger than that. But I need God's help. I need his presence. And I need this reminder to say to, to my own heart, put your hope in God. You're my saviour. You're my God. I need God's help every day. I realise how self-destructive it can be when my uh, self is like a horizontal self where I haven't tuned into God at all. Wow. What am I least grateful for? Wow, I'm not sure. I'm very grateful for a lot of things. There's one thing I'm not really happy about at the moment. It's a good, close person to me is going through a really, really, really hard time. And every time I think about it, I feel so angry, so angry with the person who's done the wrong thing. Angry to the point I just wish I could do something revengeful. I know that's not what you'd want, God, but that's how I feel and I just want to say that. So I need your help. I need you to remind me that you're the one who deals with these things. You reminded me that as I read these psalms, and I, I thank you for that. So go through something, some some expression like that, which over time I think you you find as you do this that, and especially if you journal, that you you see things that pop up regularly, and, and you realise that actually it's you reflecting on on the things that are actually pretty dear to you and pretty deep within you that maybe need attention because. If you're going to be constantly um, in that state, you're not going to be a really helpful uh, servant of God. So I think that's, it, for me it's been a really helpful thing just in being able to spend time reflecting. And as I said, usually it's in the context of the Bible that God has spoken to me as I've read this and then as I've reflected as well. Uh, and then finally, um, we, it's, it just perfectly leads into to prayer.
um, which I think I didn't put a slide for, did I, Tim? Um, no. So as, as we finish today, I just want to um, encourage you that there's, as we go through this series, it's a tremendous time to refocus on prayer. As I said before, the, um, the ultimate uh, for each one of us is that we would know God so closely, we'd be walking so closely with him that our relationship with him is like walking hand in hand with a friend and we just converse so readily uh, about all the things that are going on in our lives. And that may be your experience, it may not, but I just encourage you to, to be thinking about that, what that might look like. Afterwards, if, you, if you're really interested in having a go at that, I'd challenge you to just try doing this for a week. Just set aside 15 minutes a day and just really think about what that might look like for you. There's some really clear instructions there and the questions you can ask yourself. So grab one of those cards. Um, there's a, a book here, the third one across, called Too Busy Not to Pray. It's a, it's a really easy-to-read book, but a great little book um, on prayer by Bill Hybels. And maybe you could read that over the month. We bought 10 of them. So first in best dress, but there's 10 out on the tables, five there and five outside. If you want to pick up one of those and read it, you might want to bring it back and put it back. But uh, a great book. If you haven't read it already, I'd encourage you to read it. Even simpler than the examine might be to just try spending 15 minutes a day like uh, Samuel did and say, speak, Lord, and just, just be quiet and listen to what God might want to say to you. And finally, it's great to pray together. And uh, this month, there's going to be a couple of opportunities. There's one on the board over there, which you've heard about already, I think. Have we? No. If over, over on the board over there, there is the 36 hours of prayer sign-up. And I think some of the spots have been taken already, but not many. Um, so if you want to sign up for that, there, there'll be a texter somewhere, and you can just fill in a, a space on that. It's on April the 15th to 17th weekend. Um, so that's on the board over there. And finally, this week... Wednesday morning, early morning prayer meeting, 6.30 till 7, in Studio 4 over in the old school. The door, green door's open on the end. If you can make it, it's a great time together just to pray for, uh, for each other and for the, the needs of new community. Hey, I hope you're encouraged. Pete's got a fantastic song to end with, and it's really these words of, of Samuel saying, here, here I am, Lord, here I am, Lord. So thanks, Pete.